Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you guys are all having a great day so far. I am so grateful, and my heart is just so full to be introducing this week's incredible guest, Mr. Chris Plow. So Chris is a dear friend of mine, and this episode is one of the most important episodes of Stay Grounded that I've ever recorded. So backstory on this episode, I was on my way to a retreat in Montana with a few other entrepreneurs and just incredible people and just to get away, you know, reconnect with myself. It's been a crazy year for myself and everyone really. And so getting out in nature just felt like a great idea. So I was on my way to Montana and on my way there, I was on my phone, kind of just scrolling through Facebook, and I saw a video from Chris. And in the video, Chris was vulnerably sharing uh, his experience with suicide, multiple attempts at suicide at that. And he had shared a link to a talk that he had given that was going deep into his experience and just from a place of love and compassion. And I listened to his talk. It's like 10 minutes. We'll, we'll, add, we'll add this talk into the show notes, by the way, if anybody wants to listen to it. But the talk itself, it floored me. It was only 10 minutes too. And it took me, it was just such a vulnerable share around Chris's story and the feelings that he felt when he was going through those suicidal tendencies and how he pulled himself out. And it was so inspiring. And I was on my way to Montana. I got to the house and lo and behold, when I got to the house, I saw Chris there, which was a delightful surprise. And I was able to hug him and kind of share this with him. And then right afterwards, we decided that we needed to share this story with more people. And so that's how this episode happened. You know, Chris is just one of the most loving, kind, and incredible spirits I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And you know, this episode, we talk about a pretty taboo topic, which is suicide. Suicide doesn't get talked about enough, and it doesn't make any sense to me. It's an uncomfortable thing to talk about, but it's also so important for those who are having those dark thoughts to know how they can process them and how they can move through them, and also know how to ask for help from others, because I promise you, people want to help. And if you're somebody who doesn't know how to help somebody, when they're going through that, this episode is going to have something for you too, because we talk a lot about just how to support people, how to ask for support and how to support people. That's really the core of this episode. You know, like everybody has, everybody goes through dark times. You know, I think that if there's one thing in life that's certain, we're all going to go through a roller coaster. We're all going to go through ups. We're all going to go through downs. Nobody goes through life unscathed. And so whether you've gone through your downs yet or not, or if it's, and it may not be to this degree, but whether you've gone through your downs or not, knowing how to be there for somebody 
And knowing how to ask for support is one of the most important life skills that I think anyone can learn. And I just love this episode. I mean, we talk about self-love, how to be an empathetic listener, uh, how to share suicidal and shameful thoughts with someone else in a way that can allow them to help you. The differences between conditional and unconditional love, how to dismantle the cages we place ourselves in when we're in those dark spots and so much more. I mean, Chris is just, you guys are going to feel the love in the way that he describes everything. And I hope you guys take so much from this episode. Chris's contact information is in the show notes. So if some you heard something on this episode and you want to reach out to him, please reach out. He has, actually has like a whole page just for that. So if you feel like you're alone, you're not. We're here to support. We're here to love. We're here. We are here. So anyways, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on any of the podcast apps. All that means is anytime a beautiful gem of a conversation is recorded, it gets dropped straight into your inbox. (sighs) I hope you guys take something beautiful from this episode. If anything, I hope you guys take just the fast knowing that you are enough. You are enough not because of what you do. You are enough just because you exist. I love you. And without further ado, here is the amazing Mr. Chris Platt. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Chris, why are you laughing at me already? Because I love you. I love you. You are too. just beautiful. I love you, too. I fully receive that. All right, everybody, we're currently sitting in Big Sky, Montana, in a beautiful setting. I'm so, so, so grateful to be sitting here with my brother, Chris Plow. Welcome. Bam. I am so, I love you as just a a human being. You know, I think in the last year, I would say, like, we've gotten a lot closer. Definitely. And I've just seen so many elements of your being vulnerably showcased in a way that has not only empowered healing for you, but healing for so many people, Mm. including myself. And I still remember about a month and a half ago, we were at a dinner and you were sitting next to me. Yep. And I had a lot of very frenetic energy around just looking for somebody to tell me I was doing a good job. I was seeking outside of me. And I'll never forget, like you, you literally looked at me and you looked at me with the kindest eyes I had felt in a while. Like it was so loving and so compassionate and it wasn't, it was just like you were giving me the love that I actually needed to remind myself that I could give myself. And I would love to start there with you because I think your journey to really receiving love from yourself has been profound. Mm -hmm. So what does self-love mean to you in this moment? And how have you evolved your relationship with yourself over time? Yeah, that's a big journey. Self-love for me, as I understand it now, is just complete acceptance, right? To be able to be with oneself, because none of us are perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm for sure not perfect, yeah. right? And to see 
and feel those things that we would normally set as flaws. In the past, I would have judged myself. I would have judged myself incredibly harshly of all the things I wasn't doing right, all the things I wasn't feeling right, all the ways that I saw that I wasn't yet the person that I wanted to be. And instead, what that feels like now is an awareness of those things that Like there are times when I feel very open and connected with people and there are times when I feel very hurt and selfish, right? And I used to judge those times like there was something wrong with me, like Mm. I was broken in some way. I really, for a long time, identified with broken and needing to be healed. And what that's become is seeing myself without delusion, without trying to cover over the bad parts. There are no bad parts, but the bad parts yeah. without trying to aggrandize the good parts and just being able to look at myself with the same eyes that I can see you with and just see somebody who's fucking beautiful yeah. and is doing everything they can to learn and to grow and to care for others and to care for themselves and to be at peace with that, right? What I used to believe was that if I didn't keep pushing myself, if I didn't keep like just pushing on those little places that I felt weren't done, that I would never get to wherever it is I was supposed to go. And instead, what I'm finding is, I think most of us, maybe all of us, we're just naturally driven towards this evolution. It's going to happen regardless. So can you be kind with yourself along the way? Can you care for yourself along the way? When you fall, instead of being like, man, Chris, that's so stupid. How could you do that? What is wrong with you? Can you just be like, you fell. Man, you were trying, but you fell. And then just hold yourself. Like give yourself that love, right? That you wish that father figure or that mother would just hold you and be like, you tried. That's okay. You're going to try again. But in this moment, you're just safe. You're okay. Now get up, go, try again. You know, right? as I'm hearing you speak, I'm, I'm realizing patience is one of those things that's so paramount to the right. journey of really self-acceptance, right? Because I think we've, and you said yourself, there's always that push the button, go, go, go. I have to have this done. I have to be perfect. I have to have this. But when we can slow down in those moments and truly treat ourselves like the people we love mm-hmm. or be the parents that we always needed Yes, or learn to almost take a step back and separate yourself from yourself and acknowledge that we all have children inside of us. Mm -hmm. We all have children that are hurt. We all have children that are misunderstood. Mm -hmm. We all have versions of ourselves that we think we need to be in order to be loved. I mean, and what's so beautiful about this is that that's okay. That is actually the dance of being a human being. And as you're saying that, I'm really recognizing the the gift that is being patient with yourself. Were you always, I feel a very calm energy from you. Like, and I see the patience that you hold for yourself now. Mm -hmm. Were you always this way? No. And could you describe sort of what was Chris like before he really started this journey to loving himself. And I think it's, I think it's going to be really helpful for anyone listening just to feel like where you started and where you're at now. Yeah. Um, 
I believe that the core has been the same. Like I've always been incredibly empathetic, incredibly caring, sensitive, quite sensitive, right? But those were things that either I was taught weren't the way to be a man, yeah. right? Or it was so overwhelming at times, I learned how to shut those things off, like how to mm-hmm. turn them off. Because being in the presence of somebody when you can feel what they're going through and you don't know how to process that, you don't even know how to process your own emotions, let alone somebody else's, is terrifying at times. So I was always a caring person, but I began to shut myself off from my body, from my emotions. And so very headstrong, very intellectual. Like I could just think my way through problems and I'm blessed with a really, really powerful, beautiful brain. And that got me a long ways. But then I hit up against a ton of these emotional, a friend of mine uh, made a good point yesterday. I don't believe that they're traumas anymore. They're just these coalesced, really strong emotional experiences that we have. Heightened emotional experiences. Heightened emotional experiences. Thank you for that. And I didn't know how to process them. Right. And the brain, the mind can't process those things. And so I literally just felt like I was driving myself crazy. So if you knew me back then, caring, smart, witty, doing everything I could to help other people feel happy and joyous and to put on a happy and joyous face for myself. Right. Right. But unwilling to go to the depths of what I felt, more willing to go to the depths with other people because it felt it was outside of me. It felt more safe. And so I was often there for other people and not there for myself. Okay. Right. I mean, that got you a lot of success too, though. Oh, hugely. Right. Like, I mean, it served you in the way that you thought you wanted to be served in some ways or you were taught. Yeah. And it also gave me a certain amount of space. Right. So what essentially happened, I went through a lot of emotional difficulties in my life. Some of them before I ever for a long time understood what had happened. Right. So you and I have talked about this, but my first time attempting to end my life, right. I was 16 years old. I drove a little red truck out into the desert. I had taken my uh, dad's shotgun from his gun cabinet, loaded a couple of shells into it, uh, went out there, was playing the CD that was most important to me at the time. It was Get a Grip by Aerosmith. Who knows? That song actually has a beautiful turnaround to where this goes. But I was listening to it, and I I did. I, I went literally to the brink. I put the the barrel in my mouth. I flipped off the safety, put my thumb on the trigger, and I thought that was going to be the end of it. And I couldn't. I couldn't no matter what. And at that point, it wasn't like a saving grace. I thought I was even more of a failure because I couldn't even do that. So that part of my life kind of got shut down. I couldn't deal with it. But I had a lot of other friends going through very similar things. And so we just began helping each other just by being present, just by being these beautiful, empathetic witnesses to each other, helping us get through those times. But then I moved and I went to a new place and I didn't have that same support system. So I just began to wall myself up, right? Like just wall up. Don't go to those places. Whenever I'd find myself back in that same place, I would just force myself to sleep because I knew that if I made it through a night, I'd wake up in the morning, there'd be sun shining, I'd feel just a little better or there'd be something to do. I had a job, I had a purpose, I had things to get done. Okay, there's another day or another week or however long till the next time I felt that way, right? 
and then in 2007, the end of it, I lost both of my parents. And lost probably isn't the right word anymore. It doesn't feel right. Uh, but they're no longer with me today. They're not alive. In physical form. In physical form. It was a tragic event. It was a homicide, suicide, because my parents had this really tumultuous relationship, both beautiful and good people, but were stuck in this relationship they wouldn't allow themselves to get out of that just ended up taking them to the, the last and final straw. That happened. I had no idea how to process that. I couldn't even process the stuff that I had inside. So I just threw myself further and further into work. I had already started the company um, that was to grow. And so rather than working 80 hours a week, it was 100, it was 120. I was just doing everything I could to keep this thing rolling, right? And it was good. It was a place to put this energy that was useful at the time. But I just drove myself further and further and further into burnout. Mm. I wasn't taking care of myself with health. I wasn't giving myself sleep. I wasn't taking care of relationships. Everything for me became around work because that was the thing I could put energy into. Plus, we had the um, economic crisis of 2008, 2009. So we were barely skating through. And I felt that if I stopped, then everybody who worked for me, everybody I was responsible for, would essentially be out of a job, that I would then be viewed as a failure, and I wouldn't have done well by them. And so I just put this immense pressure upon myself. And it was... Finally, at the end of, well, mid-2009, uh, that I just hit a complete breakpoint. And I was driving a motorcycle. I had had a couple of drinks. I wasn't drunk, but I was a little tipsy, right? right? I should not have been driving. And I totaled the bike. I totaled the bike. I was at the point where I was unfeeling so much that I totaled the bike and immediately stepped up and was trying to, like, walk away. I was like, just like nothing would phase me. That night, because I didn't have health insurance, I ended up on the floor of my bathroom with a very dear friend of mine using a fingernail brush to scrape asphalt out of the wounds in my side and my leg and my arms. And I tried to make a joke out of it all. But somewhere inside me, it began to shift. And it was a year later that I found myself in an ambulance driving from the UK to Mongolia, not knowing why I was doing it, but just trying to get away. And it was on that journey that I was forced, like the universe bringing forth these emotions to process. And for the first time, I began to wonder what a meaningful life would be. Because if I've done all the things that are supposed to make me happy, all the things I'm supposed to do, and I was like... I had a company worth, you know, millions of dollars. I was smart. I had graduated college. I had my own house. I had toys as many as I wanted. I had all of the things. And yet I was at this point where I didn't want to live. But that point was the beginning of an investigation. It was 10 years ago now. And it was the point at which I began searching with curiosity again about what is a good life. And that is what led me to understanding myself, being way more present with others. And that journey has been up and down. It is not a straight right. line from there to where I am now at all. But it is the most important inflection point that I've experienced in my life. <sighs> Thank you, Juan, for sharing. I actually didn't know that your parents committed homicide suicide. Yeah. Because you, you've talked a lot about your parents, actually. And, I, in, 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 in beautiful ways. And it just, and I just want to acknowledge that 
acknowledge how much work you've done, to even be able to hold them in that regard and have compassion for them and be able to hold the space for them to where somebody like me who does know you pretty well cannot know that your parents committed homicide suicide. So I just want to acknowledge that. And I also am, am curious, just based on, you've been on both sides now, mm-hmm. right? You've been on the side where you've, you've tried taking your life mm-hmm. and you've had people in your life take their lives. Yeah. You've seen both. Um, just based on seeing and feeling and experiencing both sides of the spectrum, what do you feel is the best way for one to show up? Mm-hmm for themselves when suicidal thoughts or suicidal feelings emerge? And on the flip side, how can one show up for others in a way without needing to know if they're suicidal? It doesn't even matter, but how can one show up for others to just make, help them feel like they're not alone? I'll tell a short story that I think helps with this, and then I'll go very directly into those answers. So I was at a point, I was 39 years old. I happened to be in this event with friends of mine, uh, led by a gentleman, uh, Philip McKernan. Uh, but I happened to be rooming with another friend of mine, Joey. Through a series of events that had happened before this, I just found myself at another emotional breakpoint. I was no longer stable again, right? So, and this is after nine years of significant work. It was just not stable. And I found myself at a point where the deepest point in a long, long time, I did not want to live. I was just, it hurt so bad to live. I just, it wasn't that I wanted to die. It was that it was so painful to be in this existence that I couldn't imagine another year of it. And so I literally began to plan out. This was a few days before my 39th birthday. I began to plan out how it was going to happen. And it's the closest I had gotten in many, many, many years to going through. And I was pretty set. Nobody knew this. I wasn't sharing. This was a part of my life at that time I was not open about. Right. right? And so a lot of people going through this, it's because of shame. There's guilt. There's weakness. All of these things we supposedly have around this, it's one of the reasons it's not shared. Mm. Right? Okay. I just happened to be having a conversation with that friend I was rooming with. And he shared a story about his life. And I don't know exactly why he shared it. Maybe he just saw something that he recognized. And when he began sharing the story of his life, and I'd known him for years, I knew that he understood. And I didn't have to ask for help. I just knew that he understood. And I could see that his life was different now. And that he had understood the life that I had been through. So it began to give me this belief that maybe there was something different. Like I had just lost hope. Like like I'm going to live this way for the rest of my life. And I don't know that I can do it. There is nothing more. And he gave me this glimmer of belief that there actually was another side of this. There was an outside to the darkness. And that would spark. That spark was all that I needed to hold on to because I, I wanted to live. I just didn't want to live the way that I was living. And so instead through another series of events, I ended up going to my grandmother's for my birthday and just opening up about all of this. And that led towards this period for the next few months that I went to every person close to me. And I just had an open conversation about the fact that 
for as long as I could remember. I've been through this high and this low and that at many points I have not wanted to live. And each person that I shared this story with was able to just sit there, was able to receive it, was able to look at me with love. And even today, man, like it's powerful, like love instead of judgment, like love. And they didn't have to give me advice. They didn't have to tell me what to do. Like we get all the advice we need sometimes. It was just to be there. And then what had started throughout this process was something that was called the list. It was people that I made a promise to that if I got to that point again, I would call them. Right. But the difference was two things. Number one was I could tell by looking in their eyes that they meant it. They wanted me to call. This was not a burden that I was putting upon them because I was also afraid of putting my weight upon other people. Right. And then the second part of that was I had this written down list. And when you get in back in that dark place, your mind plays tricks with you. Yeah. And you don't believe. I can see your eyes now and know our connection, but you begin to forget that connection in that place. But I could look at the list and I could not refute the list. The list was physical evidence that these people cared about me and cared about my life. And that began to shift and make a difference. And then... With that knowledge, with that hope, I just began to be way more open about the things that I experienced and what I'd been through. And it's like, it's like taking this dark, gooey fog or muck. And it's like, every time you talk about it, you bring it up into the sunlight. And in the sunlight, it begins to evaporate because it's not really there. And I just kept doing that over and over and over. And each person I talked to, that weight, that burden, I found I wasn't putting it upon them, but I was allowing it to lessen. Because every time I did this, there was less and less weight there. Until eventually I didn't feel shame about it. I didn't feel like I was broken. I didn't feel like there was something wrong with me that I needed to hide. And that was a key part to what we talked about earlier of how I could just be more present and caring and everything else with myself. So to very directly answer the question now, Number one, there's something called an empathetic witness. And it's just being able to be present with somebody and allow them to share what they're going through and care without judgment. That is one of the most healing things that exists for somebody who's just stuck in that place of guilt and shame and often depression and often suicidal thoughts. It is literally the most powerful thing. And you don't have to give advice. And you don't have to take the weight of the other person upon you right? Because it's not your burden to bear. But that allowing somebody to let that pressure off, allowing somebody to evaporate that guilt, allowing somebody to evaporate that shame, allowing somebody to let that weight off, to feel heard, to feel seen, and then to begin to feel cared for. That's the key. And if you're truly willing to, don't do it if you're not, if you're truly willing to, you can help that person create their list. That list is the first few people who they promise because often our word is so important to us. My word was so powerful that even though I didn't want to, I would call people on that list, right? Help them create their list so that they have those people they could call, even if they never call it. The existence of that list is powerful. I never had to call the people on that list, right? But I would have, Yeah. but the existence of it was so powerful. Yeah. So that process there, as simple as it is, empathetic listening, an empathetic witness, right? You don't have to give advice. 
You don't have to take the weight of this upon you. It's just to be present. Then to help them create the list so that they realize that there's more people out there who care about them than they realize. And then they have that artifact, that thing that they can hold on to in the darkness and realize that they're okay, that they're cared for, they're loved, and there's something more, right? And then from there, um, once they're allowed, they're allowing themselves to be more open, then there's other options, right? You can go through therapy. There's a lot of different healing right. options out there that are possible, but they've now gotten over the hump. And that hump is that critical part. Once they're past that point, in my experience with myself and with others that I've helped, they're okay. It may not be easy, but they're okay. Mm. And so your other question, just to hit it is, what if you don't know what people are going through, right? Because for me, it was a perfect example of what people had expressed with Robin Williams. How could Robin Williams kill himself, right. Right? right? He's bringing joy to so many people. He's out there. He's open. He's joyous. He's got so many things in his life. He's got a daughter. He's got fame. He's got money. You know, he's got a beautiful talent and skill. But when you're feeling those things in that darkness, shame, guilt, not wanting to burden others, like those create this isolation. And then in that isolation, the person who's going through it begins to feel and believe that they're actually alone. And then they begin to feel that they're not cared for. They begin to feel that their life isn't worth it. And it becomes this downward spiral. So the simple act is just when you see somebody, you know, you care about, like truly ask how they are. Right. And don't take the surface answer. Chris, how you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. What's going on in your life? Ah, uh, you know, ups and downs. On that note, I've actually found that I stopped asking, how are you doing? And I stopped focusing on how are you feeling? That's a good one. There's a, there's a simple shift. Yeah. Because it actually forces somebody to drop into the present moment. Yeah. And it's, and it's connecting in a more, in more emotional way. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. No, yeah. no, that's, that's a perfect example, yeah. right? Yeah. And even if you only have, let's say five minutes. Yeah to actually ask the question. And you can tell when somebody cares. You can tell when somebody's listening. Right. They just listen. Right. Right? That's it. And um, well, uh, the empathetic sort of listener, a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. And it's not that they're trying to struggle. You know, like I, especially like if you go to your parents and you say something like this to your parents, I could see a total scenario where your parents would actually judge themselves for making a mistake or yes. screwing up or they'll go down this rabbit hole around like, where did I go wrong? What yeah. did I do wrong to, was I not a good person? Or if as a friend, yeah. was I not a good friend? Like I can see how being in that space, I don't know if I would, like, I'm aware of it now and I think I'd be better, but in the past, I would totally take that on. Yeah. Right. I would take the burden on. Right. And then both people's fears are realized. So how can one be an empathetic listener? Yeah. I guess like without really taking on that weight. So I love the analogy of you calling the weight almost like this, this muck that if you put up into the sun, it evaporates because it's not real. Yeah. So like, I love that analogy because for my mind, as I'm visualizing it, even if I do take that weight, it's actually not real. Yeah. Right. So I can, I can choose to give that weight away and I can choose to not hold it. Right. So like, 
I guess in general, can you describe just now as you're holding space? Because you hold space for so many people, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I, I see that and I see the impact that you're having on others and just the trajectory of their lives that are changing as a result of you being able to hold that space. Mm-hmm. So from your own experience, how did you become a better empathetic listener and be able to really create that environment or that container yeah. that can allow individuals who you may or may not know yeah. are going through that to sort of step into a role where they are fine. The core of what you just described is that when we see something from somebody else or somebody sharing something, an automatic reaction, and this is normal, it's okay, right. is to take it upon ourselves. You know, like, what did I do? What did I do wrong? What could I do? And it becomes, again, it becomes about me, mm. right? It's becoming about me. We don't mean to. It's not right. because we're bad people. It's not because we're selfish. There's no judgment on this. Right. It's a natural human condition, right. right? We're wired to figure out what is about me because there's survival instincts involved. Right. It's okay. It's a simple thing of going, this is not about me, right? So if it's not about me, then if I begin to feel emotions like, like come up because I have similar fears that I haven't expressed, then I don't have to be consumed by them, Right. Like, so there's two things that can often happen when somebody shares. Like one is it's like your parents, right? As you said, and that's your parents. Specifically. Them, by the way, my parents listen to this, mom and dad. I love yeah. you. I know you guys would hold space for me. hundred percent. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me be very clear <laughs> here. Just be clear. It's, it's just about example. you. It's yeah. an example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. So many parents and I, because people have reached out to me, I think many parents is a really good example, right? It's like, Oh, was it because I was angry? Was it because I didn't care? Was it because I wasn't there? Was it because I, you know, I had that blow up and my temper went off, you know, at that time? Like, ah, oh, what did I do wrong? Right? Again, that's about the person. That's about me. For this small period of time, it's just not about you. And if it's not about you, then you don't have to bring your own emotional baggage into what they're sharing. There can be another time. There's another time you can evaluate that. You can feel that. You can understand it for yourself. You can share it with somebody else. The sharing goes back and forth. But at this moment that you're listening, it's not about you. And so you're just there with it to the best degree you can. You can't be perfect. But you also don't have to fix the other person, right? So it's scary for a lot of people. Somebody starts sharing something that's heavy and you're like instantly like, okay, how can I help them? What do I need to do? I don't want... it's going to be my responsibility. If they do something now, like it's my fault. And like we go towards that level of thinking, right? Right. You also don't have to fix them. You don't have to give advice. Like the human need here, very, very simply is just to be seen and to feel like you're okay. To feel like you're not broken. To feel like, like somebody shares something. You ever shared something that's a little deep and you hear people go, and you can just see him get uncomfortable and the conversation kind of breaks. And then you feel like, oh, I did something wrong. I shouldn't have shared that. Right. Those are the types of things that can keep somebody keeping something on the inside. Mm. At the same time, you know, not everybody is ready to receive these things. Right. So if you are in that place where you're looking for somebody to listen, choose your empathetic listeners well. Right. It's often somebody who cares about you. Sometimes it's your parents. Sometimes it's not because there's a lot of baggage there. A lot of times it's a friend. It's a mentor. 
somebody who you look up to or, or who cares about you, but isn't as emotionally involved in that way. Right. And they can be present. Teachers often do it. Therapists, of course, do it. Counselors can do it. Friends can. And, and it's, this doesn't have to be super heavy. There can be levity in it. Right. It doesn't feel this way. But a friend of mine, this is going back to high school again now, he had actually been in uh, an institute because of these uh, suicidal leanings. Right. Mm -hmm. He got out. And I didn't even know him incredibly well at this time, but, but I knew him well enough. I liked him. And we got to know each other incredibly well after. But he was gone. I didn't know why. So I asked. And he openly shared with me why he was there. I was like, oh, okay, well, did you try to commit suicide right? I mean, you, you did cut up the arms and across, right? You were doing this the right way for like, you were going for attention, were you? But I, I said it with that gleam in my eye and that joke, that shared sense of, I know what you've been through, right? Yeah. But then we could laugh about it. Then we could take this thing that was like this heavy weight where nobody would talk to him and it became this thing we could joke about a little bit because that levity allowed us to deal with those depths. It allowed us. Comedy is incredible for dealing with dark or difficult things because we can let the weight of it off a little bit. Is there a way to, let's say somebody doesn't have an empathetic listener in their life that's like readily practiced some of the stuff that you're mentioning here, yeah. right? Is there a way you would phrase what you're about to tell them? so that they can almost drop mm. into an empathetic listener's state? Mm. That's a good question. I haven't thought about this before. I think the thing that I would ask people to, to think about was imagine that they've just, they were a kid, and imagine they've just done something that they're ashamed of. Because we all did things when we were a kid that we, we did something we're ashamed of. Right. And imagine, rather than being caught, you're going to somebody who loves you, it could be a parent, it could be an uncle, it could be whoever it is, and you're going to share that thing that you're now shameful of because you stole some candy from the, the local store, because you broke a priceless family heirloom, because you did like something that you just feel shame in. How would you want that person to respond? The ideal, loving, caring parent, how would you want them to respond? And just for a minute, can you embody that feeling, that care, that parental nature that you would, would have wanted a parent to give to you? And ask and, for it. And can you just give that to another person just for a few minutes? And let them surprise you. Yeah. Especially if you come at it from that energy, because that is something that everyone can connect with. Yeah. Man, I... This is one of those things. And I, I think as I was listening to you talk about the empathetic listener, I think that's something that I am consistently trying to be more like all the time, mm -hmm. not needing to give advice, mm -hmm. not needing to fix and just unconditionally loving. So that word right there, the core of it is unconditional love, right? Cause what you're doing is you're giving this immense care and you're not judging. How would you describe the difference between conditional love and unconditional love? Conditional love is simple. It's love. But I'll love you if. I'll love you when. It's as simple as that. And that means that a person needs to do something, be something that they are not right now. Unconditional is, I see you exactly where you are. I may or may not agree with what you're doing or how you're living. And I love you regardless. It's acceptance. Yeah, it's acceptance.
I think we talked about this yesterday, actually, like learning to accept and love somebody as they are. Yeah. Is actually practice for you learning to love and accept you as you are. These cycles are inside and out, right? right? So as you become better with other people, you will naturally become more of that way for yourself. As you become more of that way for yourself, you become more of that way for other people. So you don't have to self-love entirely first before you can provide this to other people, and you don't have to provide it just to other people and not to yourself. These things, if you were just conscious about them, it works on both sides. Man. So to, to a better answer question you said in the beginning, how did I become better with myself? Part of it was being more present with myself, and part of it was being able to be more and more present with other people. Being a human being is such a gift. Like really, like we have these incredible abilities we're all everybody's born with with their shit right like let's just start there like nobody's fucking perfect yeah like we all have shit but it's just and that's this shared humanity yeah we're all we all have shit whether it's big shit small shit little shit doesn't matter but we all have our stuff and there's this beautiful journey as we get older that just like we learn to love other people and their shit mm-hmm. the same way we accept and unconditionally love ourselves for making mistakes or going through yeah. the ups and downs. And, and in that space of grace mm-hmm. in that space of, of appreciation or acknowledgement or acceptance, there's just so much beauty and so much healing. And yeah. I, I think healing is one of the, it's like a birthright. Like everybody's born Everybody in their lifetime has an opportunity to heal and everybody in their lifetime has an opportunity to feel and what a gift to be able to do that with others and to be able to hold that space. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, that's one of my favorite parts about you, Chris, really like when I'm in your presence, I really feel taken care of, not by what you're doing. It's just by the way you, you, you look at me and the undivided presence you give. That's just like you're not, it, it, there's there's just an unconditional sort of bond. And I see that in myself. There's no way I could see that in you if I didn't see that in myself. Definitely. Right? Yeah. And that's the beautiful aspect of this. We're all just walking each other home. Yeah. Oh, this is a together thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Everybody's going to trip and fall. Right? Help each other up. There's going to be points when I am capable of being this beautiful, empathetic witness, this beautiful, empathetic listener to other people. And there's going to be points when I don't have the capacity, right? Like looking at the list, the reason there's a, like multiple people on the list, I would suggest three to five is a really good start and you can go as long as you want. It's because not everybody's going to be able to be able to be there for each person, each, each moment. We all go through our own things. And that's okay. We have ebbs and flows. That's it. It's completely okay. It's, it's part of this process. It's recognizing that we're all on different journeys. Yes. And it's not about trying to have one person be everything. Yes. You don't need to have one person be everything. But also as that person, it means you don't have to be that person all the time. You don't have you to. You can allow oh, yourself super powerful. to just yeah. like, like everybody's going to have these moments of like breaking down or feeling less than or whatever it is that happens, right? And when you feel like you've got to be on all the time for other people, there's no time for yourself. Hmm. And you never get to have the same experience. That's so important. And I hope everybody listening is really, really sinking into that, that you do not have to be this perfect, unconditional, loving being 
all the time. You're human. Yes. You're human. Like, and if somebody does come to you, right? Let me ask you this, actually. This is a, an interesting question or something I'm curious about. Let's say you are going through a lot. Yeah. And you do have a friend. Yeah. Who shows up or a family member or somebody that that shows up and they're not going through a good time either. Yeah. How do you sort of balance somebody else's where they're at with where you're at? Yeah. And how do you sort of navigate that that relationship? Yeah. I can tell more about how I've done it. Right. Right. So it's, it's how I've done it. I don't know if this is the best way, but it's worked. Number one is just radical honesty with myself. Do I have the capacity to help somebody right now? If I do, I lean in because I may actually learn something in listening to them that helps to heal something within me. Mm, right? Beautiful. Yeah. If I do not, then number one, just again, be open with person. I love you. I'm going through some tough stuff right now. And I'll be honest with you. I don't really believe I could be there for you. So is there somebody else that we can find that can talk with you right now? Right. I become an advocate in helping them find somebody who can listen right now. Or if somebody immediately comes to mind because I know the person well, like, I love you, but let's take this to our friend. Right. Because and how is that received? I think it's got to start with, I love you. Yeah. Right. Like this is not because I'm rejecting you. This is not because I do not want to help you. It's because I don't have the capacity right now. And in my experience so far, when people see that, they recognize it. They've been there. Mm. They're okay with it. Right. But the, like, if it was just not now, no, like, like just the, the, because we, we get defensive, right. Or, or we ghost. We just don't respond that's back. That's the worst. Right? Yeah. But that's okay. I mean, it's a human and, thing. Well, and you know, actually, I'm going to be kind to myself right now because- It's not the worst. I just judged myself. I have done that in the past where like, yeah. just, it's a lot. And I'm like, I will respond to this tomorrow. <laughs> yes. And that's okay. Like, like even putting yeah. things off for a day, right? Like we're human. There's yeah. a certain capacity we have, right? Beautiful. I'm glad you recognize that. Yeah. Right? But those things of not responding or no or whatever else, the way we do kind of defensively- often when somebody's in a difficult place are perceived as rejection. They're perceived as I'm not good enough. They don't care about me, whatever it is. So if you can just have a little bit, even in those times when like, okay, I put it off till tomorrow and then I read it and then I'm like, Oh, I, 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 I would love to, but I truly can't. It, I love yeah. you. This is not because there's anything wrong with you. Yeah. This is because I don't have the capacity right now. I'm hurting, mm. right? So the best thing we can do is help find somebody that you can talk to right now. In the same way, like I don't have the capacity to talk to everybody, right? And quite honestly, in those points where somebody's on the edge, a suicide hotline, a therapy, a family member is going to be a lot better option for people, right? I am one person. You are one person. We have a certain amount of capacity, unfortunately, within this realm, within this world. Right. Right. And so that's where you can be really kind and caring. And you can also direct somebody to a place where they can truly get help. And you're doing it both in respect of yourself, but because you care about the person, because they will get better help. They will get more care, more love, and more attention in this moment if they talk with this person as opposed to you. Well, and I... 
I think there's a certain level of self-love that has to be acknowledged here. Mm-hmm. You're not saying that, hey, I, I love you, but I can't talk to that. You actually acknowledging that and putting it out there is actually one of the best things you can do for them. Yeah. Because you're actually showing them that, hey, mm-hmm. it's okay mm-hmm. to feel like, like you don't have the space to be there for someone. Yeah. It's okay to feel like you're not enough. Yeah. It's okay to feel like you're inadvertently actually by example, giving the other person and showing them that, Hey, yeah. if you're going through a tough time, you get to ask for what you want and yeah. what you need and what's important for you. And I think all of it has a meaning as long as we are stepping into that space of truth and, and just honesty with ourselves and honesty with other people. I think honesty, true, or I think truth and love are both in the same thing. Yeah. Like truth, when you're absolutely honest with yourself, you're actually, you're, you're loving yourself. So this is where I believe firmness is okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So having some type of boundaries, being firm about them, this, this is a boundary, Like right? It comes with same with actions. Just because you accept and love somebody doesn't mean you have to agree with what they're doing right. or anything else. Right. You can have those, but it's how we communicate them. So to go that I love you, but this is not okay. And I won't allow you to do this to me or I love you, but I don't have the capacity. Like, you know, like firm boundaries communicated with compassion are beautiful. There is nothing wrong with that. And I I share this only because I see a lot of people who care so deeply wear themselves completely out, give their last dollar, give all the energy that they have without really having some for themselves to care for themselves. And I don't like that. I don't like seeing that because that means that that person just like I've done before, can end up in a dark and difficult place. It's such a dance. Yeah, it is a dance. It's such a dance. and No it's, one is anything at all the time. I, no I, person is anything all the time. And that is, say that again for the people in the back, really yeah. like, I mean, I've even found myself like, as I've kind of grown as a content creator, like I started out talking about certain things mm-hmm. and I put immense pressure to be that that voice, that face for those people. Yeah. And it's been interesting to even see, I'm not, this is a completely different conversation, but like just, yeah. but with growth though, as you grow over time, yeah. having the expectations that you're supposed to be the thing. Yes. Right. The expectations. Yes. Oh, I worked really hard. So I became this person, <laughs> right? Like, or I became this entrepreneur. I became <laughs> this, 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 this parent, right? Be- mm-hmm. That identity and that expectation attached to it and not giving yourself the permission to grow. Yeah. Like, hey, you're allowed to change. You're allowed to like certain things and not like certain things. Yeah. And the attachment to that outcome, mm-hmm. I think is what actually creates the path down the dark side in the first place. Mm. Right? Like when you're not attached to being, to needing to be, to, to fulfill a story that has passed its time. Yeah. When you let go because you're honoring yourself. Yeah. That's what allows the fluidity of life to just take you where you want to go. Yeah. In my, in my vernacular, the way I look at the world, when we do those things, when we become attached to an entity and then we're like, I need to be that way all the time. 
Like I did this with my company. Like, okay, I'm running this company. These people are responsible for me. I cannot fail. I need to be the one in charge, making decisions and providing for everybody else all the time without fail, regardless of the stuff that I was going through. Right? We create our own prisons. Mm. Like that's a prison. It may feel like it's a glorious, beautiful place. It's still a prison. I do not like cages. And as much as I can within my life, I tear them down because I want the beautiful open space where we get to ebb, we get to flow, we get to be who we are, we get to dance, to use your words earlier, right? We get to be ourselves and we are not static. We are not one thing. We're dynamic. We're always changing. We're always evolving. We're always growing. Sometimes we're shrinking, but that shrinking is a part of growing and evolving because we're learning new things. To the greatest degree that I can, and I am not perfect at this by any, anybody's imagination, but if I can perceive a cage that I've created for myself and I've made plenty, I do my best to just disassemble it. How? Awareness is the first part, right? When you're aware that this thing, when I, when I became aware that being the CEO of a company and this, this recognition and this appreciation that I was garnering was becoming a cage, right? Then that awareness begins to lead towards a feeling. Do I like being in this cage? Oh, I like it sometimes. I like it when people are telling me I'm great. I don't like it when I feel like I want to be more human and connect with people and I feel isolated. All right. What is it that I need to shift and change? What is it that I need to let go of? Oh, I've got this desire, this perfection aspect, this, this want for other people to tell me that I'm doing a really good job because I don't yet believe it myself. And so I just follow those threads of thought from that awareness, and eventually it leads me to the thing that I need to release, right? The thing that I needed to release in that particular cage was my worth hinged upon the fact that I had started a company and I made X amount of money and that I had a reputation. Eventually, and this was not easy, I needed to release that. This is why vulnerability is such an important skill to practice. Mm. Like I'm even thinking about it out loud. Like, you know, I know so many people that feel trapped mm. in relationships that they're not happy in. Yeah. I know so many people that are trapped in jobs that they're not fulfilled in. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that keep them trapped is the fear that if they are honest with themselves, they're going to screw up their lives. Mm. They're going to break their realities. Mm. They're going to hurt other people. Yeah. And that's why I just believe vulnerability and honesty is such a important practice because when you practice being vulnerable, you're, you're really practicing unconditional love for yourself. Yeah. Unconditional love for yourself, right? Being able to be on that leading edge of your comfort zone. Yeah. Like wherever that is. Like no matter what happens or how this thing I'm saying is received, it's more important for me to share it because I honor myself than it is for me to not even honor, but just because I don't want to carry the burden or or Mm -hmm. experience the weight. It's it's almost like like you're you're letting go in some ways. And with everything, in my view, my belief system, there's two sides, right? I 100% agree with what you're saying. 
And at the same time, I 100% agree that it's not always, I want to say this because there's no judgment in this. It's not always about you, right? right? So you and I had an experience the other day where I got to be very open and vulnerable about receiving, about finances, about some stuff that had happened in my childhood right. in front of this beautiful group of people, right? Right. I got to step forth into that. I got to be very open and vulnerable. I got to get love and care and advice because I asked for advice. Got love, care, and advice from people. I got to be seen. I found like different parts of me that were integrated as a result of that. But I also, because I was willing to step forward, I created this range of vulnerability that it was now possible for anybody else to step into at whatever level they wanted to. Right? So because I'm not always strong enough to do something just for me, often and more and more I am. Oh, so right? good, Chris. Yeah. yeah. But because I'm not always strong enough or or I feel still at times that I'm not worthy enough to do it just for me, I know that by doing this, I am serving everybody else there because they don't have to go to the same limits that I do. Oh, but I've now created this beautiful open space, right? And I don't think of it as holding space. I create space. I create it. I let it be. I don't have to hold it. I don't have to spend energy on this maintaining of it. Once it's created, it's there. And while we're all here, we can all step in any level we want to. And so I've done a beautiful service to the people that I care deeply about. Uh, the idea of being vulnerable for others is such a beautiful way to inadvertently get yourself into a place where you're tapping into that source of love mm-hmm. that that you feel. Whether you feel love for yourself or love for another, it's still love. Yeah, it's it's universal. Yeah, and I I just love that that idea of if you can't be vulnerable for yourself. If you haven't gotten there yet, that's okay. How can being vulnerable in this moment allow someone else or allow this cage or allow allow something to happen that can just encourage love to be a more default state? You and I have just provided a better answer to a question you asked earlier, which is if you don't know how somebody's doing, how can you be there for them or ask or be present, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's not asking. Sometimes it's being willing without putting weight on them to go, here's what I'm going through. And it's not a, an unloading on other people. It's being open. It's being vulnerable and providing that example that it's possible for somebody else to open up and share. And once you've taken that first step, you've created that example, then you can just turn around how are you? Right. Right. And that creates an opening for them to be able to step into the opening, yeah. the container of love and acceptance. And it doesn't need to be there all the time. No. It can't be there all the time. That's the duality, right? Like we can aspire. That's it. We can and, aspire. And maybe there's a point in our own mental, emotional, spiritual evolution where that happens. Right. Yeah. I'm not there yet. No. Right? I, and I, I, you know, it's a great North Star, right? It's a it's a great home base to return to when you feel like you're not in that state and you become aware of it. Mm. It's a beautiful opportunity to lovingly bring you back into that space. But that's, that's again, the dance, yeah. right? The dance of being human. Being human is to experience the full range 
of everything. It's yeah. to experience the exhilarating joy, yeah. but it's also to be present inside of the the debilitating heartbreak. Mm. And I think the more we can create these containers for ourselves and for others to truly be present in what they're feeling without judgment, without needing to fix, without needing to, without really needing to change anything about the situation at hand, it's pure acceptance. We heal the world. Like the, it goes well beyond this, right? right? So imagine people with two very different ideologies. I sit down with people who see the world very different than I do. And I get to have great conversations and listen to them because I can be open and everything else. And I realize that somebody else's beliefs don't have to be mine. And I'm not threatened by somebody else's beliefs, right? It's that same thing, whether we're talking about somebody who's hurt, somebody who's depressed and suicidal, different ideologies, like the same practice works throughout. And in there, I often learn things. Yeah. Oh, oh, I wasn't seeing that quite as clearly as I could. All right, maybe my core beliefs aren't shifted, but now I have more nuance and maybe something else is a little different over here, right? It does. And you say heal the world. I'll use the words brings us closer to unity. The world's already healed. It brings us closer to unity. And unity doesn't mean everybody has to be identical, exactly the same, same culture, like just blah across. It's this ability to be present with each other to have conversations, to share experiences, good, bad, and otherwise, to appreciate somebody else even when they're different, to care about people as deeply as we're able to, and to realize we're in this together. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're in this together. Ah, <sighs> Chris, man, I love you so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I love you. I really appreciate just, I just appreciate your heart, man. I appreciate how committed you are to sharing your heart and honoring and it's just, I, I love the journey you're on and the way you've been impacting people. I do want to, I would love if you could share a little bit about some of the incredible work that you're doing with others who have been in similar situations as you. Yeah. Even if you had any words of encouragement, if this podcast wasn't enough encouragement, but, you know, can you just speak to, you know, how you're helping people now and share some of that love that you have in your heart that I've just seen do so much for so many without you even trying. And it is so beautiful. So would you, would you mind? Yeah, with pleasure. And I'll be honest, this is an evolving thing, right? It's within the past year I've gotten to a place where I feel complete enough, whole enough, to use your words, whole yeah. is a beautiful thing, whole enough within myself to begin to look at all these lessons and be able to help other people with them. Yeah. Right? So number one, that adventure that I took to Mongolia was a turning point in my life. It was because I was able to get outside of every rut and I was able to be with people who care. And in that place of caring, I was able to see myself. So I have a project I do with a friend of mine. His name is Matt Pryor. Matt was on the show. Yeah, okay, beautiful. Matt yes. was on the show, yeah. Right, so we do Adventure X together, and the purpose of it is we give people experiences that provide that same space and freedom that was such an inflection point in my life, and that he is so incredible at curating, better than I could ever be. Right. Right? So that's one way I help. Another way that I help is that every once in a while, somebody ends up on my doorstep, ends up on my radar, that needs some really deep care, 
love, and attention. I invite them out to a place I have uh, in the country, and we go through a process that helps them through this. To date, quite honestly, that's been more of a heart project. Uh, I do that when I truly feel called that I'm the person to help somebody. I've never known how to ask for financial like like money or stuff for that because it felt like such a soul mission. What I'm beginning to look at is, is there a way to grow that that allows for potentially me to help more people yeah. or for me to help people help more people right. to teach the teachers, right? That's in process right now. What I have done to be available as deeply as I can, because I believe it's important to carve out time for people, regardless of where they are in the world, what their financial situation is or anything else. I have a webpage, chrisplow.com slash I am listening, and you can sign up there. And I dedicate time every week to sit down and just listen, to be this empathetic witness for people. And it's my way of ensuring that no matter what happens as this goes forward, that I am always creating time and that there's always space for people, regardless of their position in the world, because we're all in this together. And then I'm in process right now of writing the book that helps people understand the path that I found out of suicide and depression and creating a workshop around that so that people have tangible steps that they can take in order to move out of that darkness. And that's not done yet, but that will be done. <sighs> and lastly, hmm. I love doing things like this. Yeah. Right? Uh, the fact that we get to have a beautiful conversation. The fact that this is recorded in a, even though it's recorded and shared later, it's in a live fashion. You and I get to be present with each other. And so I'm creating a show that's a live show that allows me to share the lessons that I've learned and allows people to call in so that we can talk through this stuff in real time. Beautiful. Because I love that immediate nature. There's a need. There's a voice. Let's work through some stuff. Yeah. Let's figure this out. That's fun for me. And I know from everything that I do, because I do this on a daily basis anyways, I know that that's valuable for people. Mm. Beautiful. Well, everyone listening, we will make all, any links that Chris has available. We'll put them in the show notes. I encourage you to reach out, especially if you yes. are going through something and you don't have an empathetic ear to give you space. Chris is certainly given me space in my life uh, as I've gone through a lot of roller coasters the last few months. Mm -hmm. And um, I just appreciate you, bro. Like you, you really, you're, you're one of those human beings um, that I feel so grateful to just know exist because mm. it, it shows me what's possible um, in all of us. It shows the depth of love that's possible yeah. when we do the work, when we face our shadows, mm. when we, learn to love ourselves unconditionally, when we learn to accept others unconditionally, when we dedicate ourselves to healing and letting go of things that are not ours and really returning back to the beautiful truth of our existence. Like you, to me, are just such a beautiful reminder every time I spend time with you of just what's possible. And uh, so I just want to honor you. I'm so grateful that... We got to do this in this medium, in person, in this beautiful <laughs> fucking setting. Yes. Like, I mean, I could not have, uh, I've always just kind of realized with the podcast, like, I never really plan the guests. Yeah. It's like, I live, and then the right 
individuals just kind of emerge. And yeah. I just love that that's how this has unfolded with us. And um, I, I do have one last question for you, though. Before you do that, yes. number one, thank you. I honor everything that you just shared, and I appreciate it. And because I see this not as a tit-for-tat or reciprocation, I want you to know that I am also inspired by you. And I don't say that as just a hey, da 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 You're the one who's created this podcast. You're the one who's going out and sharing with other people. And you've been on that edge even sooner than I was. That helps to make this easier. We all blaze trails for each other. I'm blazing trails in some ways. You're blazing trails in others. And so I am honored to have inspired or helped you in some way. But know that you have also honored and inspired me. Mm. Okay? We do this together. You asked for if there's anything I could share with people that I would just say, you are not alone. We are not alone. We're doing this together. Mm. Like, that's it. That's the key. I get to learn from you. You get to learn from me. We both get to be better. I fully receive that with all my heart. Thank you so much, brother. In the midst of everything we just talked about. Yeah. And everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Twofold. Um, Because I realize that I am as fallible as anybody in the world, right? One is I have a very regular and honest uh, meditative practice. And so I'm always touching base with myself with how I truly am. What's really going on this morning? I woke up and I felt fears and I sat with those fears and I allowed myself to be present and figure out what they were, what they meant and be able to release them. Right. Two is I surround myself with beautiful people and I make pinky swears with them. Hmm. I don't think you and I have done this yet and we will. No. (laughs) Want to? Let's do it right now. All right. Here's my pinky swear. I ask you that if you ever see something that you believe that I need to be aware of, that with love and with care, you will share it with me because that will help me grow. Whether it's something I want to hear or something I don't, I know it comes from a loving place and you will help me grow. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. Do you accept? I accept. All right. If you would like the same, I will offer it to you. I would love the same. I would love, I would love for you to hold me accountable to the North Star of unconditional love. Not just for others, but also myself. And the delicate balance of learning how to do that um, as I dance with this crazy reality that is life. (laughs) (laughs) And see, now internal, I have a compass. And externally, I have those to help. Mm. I will stay grounded. You will stay grounded. Oh, I talked to you for hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, but uh, no, I, again, I really appreciate you, Chris and everybody listening. I, I hope this conversation was just an inspiring reminder that being a human being is a work in progress and it is not a destination to reach. It is not something to really figure out even it is something to accept, love, and graciously dance through. And there's no right way to dance. There's no wrong way to do it either. <laughs> there's just your way. 
And all of you, we are here and we are doing this together. But that is a wrap for this week's episode. Stay grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Chris. And from us, stay grounded. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.